the Toho gang fuel up for another long haul. Momojiro gets booksmart, Jonathan meets a dangerous rival, and together they save New Year's Eve for an impoverished family in Episode 49, Truck Yara 2, The Wild Trucker. Welcome to another episode of Toho Yaro, a Japanese film club podcast. I'm your host this episode, Joey Weiser, and with me, as always, are my podcast hosts, Alex. Hey, Alex. Hey, Joey. And V. Hey, V. Hey, Joey. Hey, so this episode, we're going to be covering Truck Yaro 2, The Wild Trucker from 1975. <laughs> This, yeah, like I said, this is the second uh, in 10 Truck Yarrow movies and the third that we've covered uh, so far. Um, just going through some of the cast and directors that uh, we've talked a, a bit already about Norifumi Suzuki. He's the co writer and director of all the Truck Yarrow movies um, and uh, some. Is, is mostly well known as for his kind of exploitation work, uh, School of the Holy Beast, Sex and Fury, things like that. And as far as notable actors, of course, there's uh, Bunta Sugawara as Momojiro, a.k.a. Ichiban Boshi, um, Kinya Aikawa as Kinzo, uh, also known as Jonathan the Widower, and Masumi Harakawa, who plays Jonathan's wife, uh, Kimie. And we talked about them in our previous Truck Yaro episodes. Um, some new cast members include Shizuo, uh, Shizue Abe, who plays Eiko, the, the Madonna or love interest of this uh, entry. And she's an actress and singer with not too many acting credits. Um, it seemed like she was mostly kind of like an idol at the time and, and singer throughout her career. Um, this is her first film, which I think is interesting. And um, none of the uh, movies in her IMDb really stood out to me besides one called Those Swell Yakuza from 1988, which I thought was a pretty good title. <laughs> Um, but I don't know anything about it. <laughs> um, Sakura Kamo plays Chiaki, the the woman who play, who drives the sewage truck. And this is also her first acting role, uh, which I think is interesting. And and but I think she's been in more things than Abe acting um, in a kind of a lot of. Not a lot of stuff that jumps out at me. Again, a lot of kind of TV work and stuff like that. She's in one of the Yakuza ladies films, which is a sort of 80s series about the wives of the Yakuza members and a biker movie called High Teen Boogie that uh, I've seen a little bit about before. Um, <clears throat> Naoko Ken uh, is a woman that uh, was the woman singing on the bus at the beginning of the movie. Um, I looked her up because she seemed very distinct. And uh, in fact, in the in the Japanese Wikipedia, she's listed as special appearance. Uh, so I think this is kind of a cameo of some sort. She, she was a big singer and a kind of comedic actress, uh, has tons of like variety shows and TV comedy appearances in her credits um, that, you know, I don't recognize any of her film credits really besides that she's been in all of the terrible 20th century boys films <laughs> uh credited as Gigi baba which i'm not sure i think that might be the old lady who sells them the badges when they're kids uh just by the name baba i'm not sure oh uh, yeah Gigi baba store i'm reading okay 20th century boys like right now and okay. uh, yeah 
So that's interesting uh, that, yeah, because those are made in like the 2000s. So she would have been old enough to be the the old lady. Um, that that was just a guess on my the fact that she was called Baba. I was like, well, what old ladies are in that <laughs> <laughs> series? But um, and then, of course, uh, notably, uh, Kunie Tanaka plays the rival truck driver in this one. Uh, Borsalino, too, um, known uh by a lot of people in the West uh, for being the model for Kizaru in One Piece. Um, Tanaka is in a ton of stuff. We we talked about him in Battles Without Honor and Humanity a couple episodes back, and uh, he has a great role in Yoji Yamada's A Class to Remember. Uh, he plays Jigen in that weird 70s Lupin uh, the third live-action movie. Um, Tanaka is a really lovable guy and I think due to his kind of like unique face has played a lot of pathetic dudes and kind of rats and weird kind of like character actory roles. So in, 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 in some, uh, respects, I think he's kind of cast against type in this, which, uh, we'll talk about, uh, a little bit later. Um, as far as our histories of the film, um, so I have, I, I know like, uh, V have you, did we watch this together uh, at some point? I can't recall. We didn't recall watch this for sure. together. You gave it to me either on a CD or a thumb drive, and I ended up okay. uh, watching it on the plane on a trip to somewhere. I don't remember where. Uh, <laughs> so I've so I have seen it before, and I like it. Uh, I don't. Th- th- this has its moments. I think I like the first one better. I think maybe just because of the impact of the first one, but but I enjoy this a lot. I've enjoyed every one of the truck yard movies I've watched. So, mm-hmm. yeah. How about you, Alex? Have you seen this? So I think you gave this to me on a CD, like when we, like maybe the second time we ever met. Mm, okay. Um, but uh, it was either this one or the fifth one. I can't remember. Either way, um, I didn't watch it right away because uh, I've never seen this movie until uh, the other day. <laughs> okay, okay, so, cool. Yeah, no, I think I, that's not too surprising me that I was handing this out left and right because it was kind of a big deal for me to find this. Like, I was, this yeah. is the whole reason why I was interested in Truck Yard to begin with is because I was a big One Piece fan uh, like Alex and I was drawn to this character, you know, Kizaru and then learned of his roots in this film and was like, oh man, I got to find this. And I think I, I think I ran this down a little bit in our first truck era episodes, but I eventually found the first film and it was a while before I could find uh, this one with subtitles. Um, And so, you know, I don't know when I finally saw it, it was kind of a little weird to me. Like I, I hadn't seen too many Japanese movies at this point uh, or Japanese movie series like Taurus on and stuff. So it was a little weird to me. The fact that like Japanese film has this kind of habit of like repeating elements over and over again. And so I, I definitely like had this impression that it was like, Oh, it's like basically the same as the first one. And that kind of stuck with me, but I, I don't know. I think I have a little bit more nuanced feelings uh, now um, that we can get into a little bit later, but I, I do kind of fall on the same uh, side as UV where um, I think the first one is a little bit better. Um, but I mean, I kept comparing this to the fifth one, honestly, because mm. like I really love the fifth one. It's, yeah. it's like, it's so bonkers and it never <laughs> stopped. Um, and I was sort of waiting for like, okay, when, where, where's the big brawl? Like I'm at this point I've, I've grown such so accustomed to these episodic formulaic movies. Um, and I don't mean that in a, as a slight, I mean that as almost a compliment. Uh, 
in that like I'm anticipating what's going to be coming next. Uh, and it's sort of like going back and watching the other Fast and the Furious movies after watching Fast Five, mm-hmm. where like, oh, wow, this isn't nearly as ridiculous, but like, you know, the DNA is still there. Yeah, totally. And, yeah. Yeah, I think I think my kind of perspective on it, the fifth one is one maybe my favorite of all of them because it just kind of has so much craziness and it has like Sonny Chiba and it has a musical number and all this stuff. And the first one is a lot more simple, but I think has more like emotional impact and it kind of like is the most like pure <laughs> Truck Yara movie <laughs> in a lot of ways. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. It was hard not to. I think all my kind of things that I like and don't like about this come from kind of comparing it to the others. But um, yeah, so, so this film kind of goes all over the place. So I'm going to do my best to summarize it as briefly as possible. Um, it begins with uh, Momo, uh, Momo Jiro and Jonathan being rascals as usual, harassing women, uh, the, the specifically that woman singing on the, the bunch of uh, the, the school bus with all the children um, and causing some trouble with a traffic police and a woman driving a sewage truck, uh, Chiaki, uh, as I had mentioned in the cast. Um, then we get a familiar scene of them having to uh, poop really bad, you know, <laughs> <laughs> at the truck stop. Um, and Momo getting embarrassed when he sees this like beautiful woman, Eiko, um, and denying that he has to go to the bathroom and all this stuff. And she's a college student. And uh, in exchange uh, or in an exchange with Jonathan um, that she has Momo uh, gets it into his head that in order to impress her, he should study the works of the novelist Osamu Dazai. Uh, which he, he at first uh, mistakes for a fruit that she really likes, but uh, just a very like Goku, like, <laughs> oh, is marriage something you can eat kind of thing to me. But uh, <laughs> uh, so then uh, in an, uh, another kind of familiar mix up, uh, Momo mistakenly gives Jonathan the impression that he wants to marry Chiaki, the sewage driver. Uh, and Jonathan brings her a marriage proposal in another mix-up, uh, Momo gets covered in uh, <laughs> sewage from the truck, uh, and is and in cleaning up uh, at her apartment, gives the uh, her partner and the traffic cop the impression that they have consummated their love. Um, and then uh, we get the side plot later that Jonathan and his wife Kimie um, finally are going on a honeymoon but dragging Momo along with their kids where they run into a sad poor man uh, living away from his kids and working to support them. And eventually they coincidentally meet the kids as well uh, and befriend them. Um, And then there's the side story then also about Borsellino 2, the truck driver with a vendetta against Jonathan uh, from when he was a traffic cop. Uh, He and his guys harassed Jonathan until Momo steps in and there's the fist fight, the big brawl that Alex was waiting for uh, with Porcelino 2. And then eventually they race trucks until Jonathan intervenes. The um, Then there's a marriage proposal with Chiaki that blows up. Uh, we learn that Eiko is in love with her brother-in-law and Chi- uh, Chiaki ends up marrying the traffic cop instead. And finally, uh, Momo runs into the poor man attempting to throw himself into traffic for insurance money. Um, It's New Year's Eve and his children are at home, sick, waiting for him to return. So Momo rushes him home, chased by cops and aided by Borsellino, too, who's now kind of on his side. 
and uh, the father is reunited with his children and Momo and Jonathan go off into the night triumphantly. Um, So, yeah, just a couple things before we get into uh, critiques, just uh, little fun facts about the movie. This uh, was a double feature with the Sonny Chiba action film Champion of Death. And um, like I mentioned, it it, um, has a lot of references to Osamu Dazai, a novelist from the 30s and 40s. His notable works include The Setting Sun and No Longer Human. Um, these are all kind of semi-autobiographical works. and the, Our the, audience may better know him from Bungo Stray Dogs. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, and the line that Momo attaches to from one of his novels in particular is, I wish I'd never been born, which is kind of twisted away in, in a lot of like humorous ways throughout the film, which I thought was uh, was good. Uh, so V, uh, what did you think about this one? Uh, just to go on the Dazai stuff for a second. Sure. It's he, he was a very depressed person and very sad author. Mm-hmm. Um, no longer human. The actual like literal title is uh, uh, disqualified from being human, <laughs> and it was just this very tragic semi autobiographical work about feeling alienated from humanity and not fitting in and he ended up committing suicide shortly afterwards so it's really interesting that they pick something this dark to Mm -hmm. be like the focal point of uh the humor and that i'm sorry i was born quote that's associated with him yeah um but yeah it gets some some good use out of it yeah, there's a lot of like twisting that doesn't quite translate into English where they're, you know, where they misunderstand it to mean like, I'm sorry, I had another child or something like that and a few other things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like I said, I really enjoy this movie. It's, there's enough different from the other films to to give this its own flavor. <laughs> the the, uh, the stuff with Chiaki, I felt actually had some uh, emotional pull with me. Like it's, it's heartbreaking when she, uh, she overhears them or mm-hmm. overhears Jonathan trying to convince Momo to just marry her. Cause he screwed up and misunderstood. And, uh, I had a couple really good laugh out loud moments, uh, both on the plane and upon rewatch. So <laughs> excellent. How about you, Alex? Yeah, I mean, I I really enjoyed it. Like everything about it, um, you know, it sort of rang true uh, in classic truck Yara fashion, like the other ones. Um, Borsalina Two is really great. I loved mm-hmm. Kane Tanaka mm-hmm. a whole lot. Um, boy, what a what a cool dude in this. Like, and it's really funny when you compare him to uh, his character in Battles. Oh yeah, like, the complete polar opposite. Um, I forgot how like sophomore the jokes are uh, in these <laughs> movies, by the way, like there's some really like, wow, these are really raunchy jokes. Like yeah. some really, really, literally raunchy, gross, funny, like really funny stuff. Um, it's very like this, descriptive in that, that scene where they're like overhearing uh, Momo yeah. talk to Chiaki and they think that they're like about to have sex and, mm-hmm. or that they oh, are God. having sex. And, and yeah, <laughs> it's, and she's like, Oh, I'm bleeding. Like it, it was such a, <laughs> Like, wow. Like what year is this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, what else to say really? Um, I, 
I did think it was a little tad disjointed just because yeah. like, yeah, it, the, the subplots sort of feel all over the place and they are sort of tangentially related. Like the Borsellino stuff, it, it could, could have been in a whole separate movie. I mm-hmm. thought, um, cause everything else kind of, uh, like ties together pretty, pretty okay. Um, yeah, because I guess the the whole um, marrying off um, Ichiban Boshi thing, yeah, uh, you know all all that all that with Jonathan and his and his wife, like that ties together pretty okay. Um, the guy with his, you know, the guy with his kids who live alone, that is tangentially related to that. Although I could definitely see that being in a separate um, separate movie. And the Borsalino stuff is like I think the only. The, the one thing that it has in common with the rest of the movie is that you get to see that cop um, mm-hmm. who is in love with uh, uh, Chiaki. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that, and I guess that, there's like a parallel there a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. It definitely like feels, um, I, I, I do feel like this one is a little bit more like a lot of separate <laughs> things kind of thrown together that that storyline with the like father feels very that was one of the things that really kind of like struck me when I first watched it, because in the first one, I know it's been a few years since we covered that, but there, there's a whole like side plot where they discover the abandoned girl and have to find her father and stuff. And it felt like very much the same kind of thing, you know? Yeah, I felt that was maybe manufactured, so he wasn't driving this girl to see the man she loved or whatever in in this one that he would be racing off for a different reason even though they kind of veer back to that in the other movies yeah Yeah. you know and i think that's kind of where i have some problems where where this one just falls a little short compared to the first one in particular where like I just think that a lot of the things that they set up have less emotional impact. Like the thing with him and Chiaki is interesting and good. And I do agree that that scene where she's overhearing them talking is like really impactful and stuff, but it is also very similar to the scene, the, the setup of um, Momo and Okio, the other driver Mm -hmm. in the first film. And the thing that that has kind of on, on this is that he and Okio have this rapport and seem like lifelong friends and seem kind of like they already have some romantic tension. And without that, the romance with Chiaki is just seems less impactful a little bit. And the thing with the driving his, uh, the father home to the kids also is just not quite as dramatic as the idea of like Momo driving, the woman that he loves to reunite with the man that she loves, you know, and, and destroying his truck and all that stuff. Like, it's just kind of like, it's all this kind of similar elements, but with just a little bit less emotional impact. Um, I don't know. I think, but I feel like they, they've got less specific relation to Momojiro, but I think they've got their own kind of emotional impact. Like there's less of a, an audience will they won't they kind of rooting for the relationship because there's not a pre-existing relationship there but it it is maybe more heartbreaking to me that jockey is just like like oh i've never been proposed to before is just they talk about how she's a little older and just like she's really excited for this so it's personally or it seems a lot more impactful to her yeah 
when it doesn't happen. And I do like that for the father, it's not that um, Momojiro is, is that like invested in the dad versus how much he's invested in the son because his kind of like audacity and delinquency reminds him of his own childhood. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah, I think a thing that the Chiaki storyline has that works better for me is that she, Chiaki and the traffic cop um, seem to already have a pre-existing relationship. And I like that they, the fact that they end up together works better for me than Okio and like Momo's weird underling guy who sucks yeah. like in the <laughs> in the first one. So in this one, he she also kind of ends up with a guy who's a little bit more pathetic uh, than Momojiro. Um, but it does seem like maybe they already had somewhat of a relationship rather than just kind of like, oh, this guy is fine, I guess. You know? And yeah, uh, like he's he's more pathetic. He's less like brash and brave than Momo, but he made that happy birthday cake. Yes. Like he's, he's a good dude. It, it really makes you kind of want to get like I, I'm a lot happier for him to like get together with her um, because it seems like. Yeah, he, and that scene <laughs> where they actually like have a wedding for them at the truck stop, even though like <laughs> it is very this is the set we have. We're not going to go like rent someplace, uh, but it is very cute and sweet when they bring him in and he's all teary eyed. <laughs> I like I like the idea that like truck drivers whole lives revolve around the truck stops and that their marriages happen there and <laughs> whatever. Uh, I, I kind of assume that, yeah, he's he got fired from being a cop, and so he's probably going to become a truck driver like Jonathan uh, as well. So, um, yeah, and, and uh, we didn't really mention him, but I, I like her, like, partner, this sort of, like, dude with a neckerchief that um, it's just, like, a kind of, like, sweet young guy. <laughs> He's got some real like young Davy Jones vibes to me. Yeah. He's just like, who is this like weird pretty boy that looks like he's about to pull out a guitar and sing a song? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was kind of surprised. I I think probably when I first saw this, I expected them to end up together. But um, yeah, I um, yeah. So I yeah, I think this. I like this one. Okay, it's kind of low on my Chuck Arrow scale, which is of course still pretty high because I love this whole series. Um, well, Joey, didn't you make a comic about this one? I did. Yeah. So I was so struck by the fact that I was like so frustrated by the fact that I was so curious about this and there was like basically no information about it out there that, um, I decided to make a short comic adapting, um, Kunye Tanaka's like kind of impassioned speech and little fight scene and stuff. Um, just because I thought it would be fun. Like that was a, um, <laughs> as kind of an aside that, that that was a, when I was a student at the Savannah college of art and design, I always kind of saw other kids in classes doing an assignment where they had to adapt a movie scene into a comic. And I always thought that that seemed cool, but it just so happened that I never took whatever class that was that, uh, had that as an assignment. <laughs> and so I kind of always had it in the back of my mind that it would be cool to adapt a movie scene into a comic. And so at some point I had like the opportunity to do a short story for like an anthology or something. And I decided to do this because <clears throat> A is kind of obscure and B is something that I'm passionate about and and just something that I was kind of like, well, I was always 
you know, frustrated that there wasn't more information about uh, the Borsellino character. I, I'd like to put some out into the world in English, too. So, yeah, so I definitely, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, I, have I, that. I wanted to. I wanted to mention for the listeners um, who haven't seen this, it's essentially the scene where Borsellino too comes to pick a fight with Jonathan and says, uh, except all the characters are, are dogs. Um, mm-hmm. They're anthropomorphic dogs. And instead of saying uh, uh, he, um, he looks like a man, but eats like a dog. Uh, he says he looks like a, he eats like a, no, he um, eats like a dog, but he looks like a man or something, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. Or, wait, other way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm getting my words twisted. Um, I thought that was really clever. Uh, even before <laughs> I saw the movie, I was like, oh, I see what I like. I I don't need to watch this movie to get what this joke is. <laughs> that was a, that was a good way of me getting around having to do likenesses and just do everybody as cartoon dog people. But, um, yeah, <laughs> well, well, I, I like how they're, well, you drew them as, as different dogs too, which mm-hmm. I thought was really great. Cause, um, if there's something I can say about dogs as a, as a, uh, <laughs> as a species, um, it's that they can really embody the spirit of, uh, of, um, a person, mm-hmm. uh, like, like in 101 Dalmatians, there's that like joke that like the dogs and the owners look alike. And I found that to be kind of true in real life sometimes. <laughs> uh, and uh, whenever I meet a new dog, um, a friend's new dog, I always think to myself, I wonder what celebrity would voice this dog. If this was a <laughs> look who's talking to or look who's talking now situation. Like. <laughs> so good. Yeah. But. Anyway, a little tangent on, on dogs and humans. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like I hadn't rewatched this movie in a while because I kind of had that, like I mentioned that sort of, uh, impression that I was like, uh, it's kind of like the first movie, but not as good. Um, but I had watched that scene over and over again cause I adapted it into a comic. So when I, when I got to that part in my <laughs> rewatch, uh, a couple days ago, I was definitely like <laughs> little, little tingles, uh, popped up and I was like, Ooh, ooh I, I know this part, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Um, I, I think this movie is also notable for introducing the sort of themed truck rival. Like, um, in the first movie dragon is the rival and he's Okio's brother and he's really great. I love that actor and everything, but like this is the first time that he has a kind of like distinct theme. Porcelino 2 is sort of like mafioso themed maybe. He's kind of like a European gentleman type and he's got like some cronies uh, dressed in tuxedos um, and yeah, I love that. And the In general the kind of cartooniness is just pushed a little bit further in this one. There's that that part in the fight scene where um, Momojiro drinks the um, that energy drink that that um, yeah we did we talked about in oh god what movie the fifth one uh, no, no, it's, no it's a competitor the, uh, to Shark Skin Man and Peach Hip yes. Girl the yeah the, the, yeah yeah that uh, famous a competitor famous to that there was uh, Mamushigiron okay. A. But yeah, it's a, oh. it's a competing vitamin drink that he <laughs> stops and drinks, which uh, the, the the part right before that when like they're fighting and Borsellino too just out of nowhere does like a weird like kung fu thing with his hands, even though he's <laughs> not a kung fu fighter. Yeah, I laughed at that and then laughed at him getting knocked into the drink machine and, and drinking the energy drink. 
Yeah, totally. So I think that stuff's like really fascinating because we know like having seen like the fifth film and, <laughs> and later films like where it eventually goes to where it's like Looney Tunes basically. And to see it like starting to stretch its wings a little bit and be like, what if we were a little funny? Like what if he did Kung Fu moves? Although it doesn't really like make sense that this character would do that and that he drinks that vitamin drink and stuff like that. That makes him give gives him a kind of like second uh, wind and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so there's, I, I definitely think it has some really good like jokes and stuff. Um, so I've got to remember the um, that particular energy drink, the little tiny energy drink. I think that there was a series of um, commercials from the early '90s with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> but I don't remember which energy drink it was. But it was one of those little tiny, you know, the little uh-huh. tiny guys, and. Um, <laughs> I remember one in particular where he's walking with this lady and she's saying, Arnold, we should, or Arnold Kuhn, we should go get Takoyaki. And then he looks at the camera and goes, Takoyaki? <laughs> <laughs> and then a bunch of uh, Yankee come over and they start bullying the lady and he runs away. Like Arnold's a nerd until he drinks this thing and then oh, he gets good. a cape and yeah, he's just juggling these guys. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's very, very similar to, to what uh, Momojiro does. Like he's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling. Uh, pretty, pretty worse for wear. I better take a swig of this energy drink to get my second win. Like, I, I, I do love, I, I love that Popeye device like mm-hmm. a lot in everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, it's just very lightly sprinkled in this one. It's not like like in the fifth one. There's like musical breaks. Like in, during even the fight scene, they do like the scales on the different like. uh um, stair railings and there's like <laughs> sound effects of like jet engines and stuff. And there's all sorts of like silly stuff. <laughs> but uh, in this one, they're just kind of dipping their toes in the water a little bit, making it a little cartoonier and funnier. Um, so Alex, what was your favorite part of the film? Oh man. I think my favorite part is probably like when Borsellino two shows up. Yeah. Um, Boy, he like he looks so cool. I, I mean, like when he shows up to the the truck stop, because mm-hmm. um, before that he runs um, Jonathan off the road and still is like really cool. Like he gets out of the car. Well, the when he get, I actually do want to talk about that after he sure. runs Jonathan off the road and then he gets out of the car. It is almost like like a one piece introduction of a character. Like you could see the little Oda box, like with like <laughs> oh, this is Porcelino too. too. <laughs> like yeah. uh. uh uh, truck driver bent for revenge, like, uh, like show up. Cause it, I think it's like a pan up from his feet. And then you see like, like it, that's what it felt like to me anyway. And in, in, in remembering it and he's got like his, his cronies and he's wearing this pinstripe suit with a hat and black gloves. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, I'm going to follow you until you remember me. Like, it's such a cool, he is such a cool character. And when he comes to the truck stop and tries to pick a fight with Jonathan and that entire fight that like, you know, of course the fight that, um, you know, if, if truckers weren't, uh, you know, buddy, buddy with other truckers, Momojiro would be paying for the damages for the rest of his life. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like, I, I really love that scene and whenever he's on screen he's very, uh, He's, he's like a, a lightning bolt. Yeah, that whole monologue before the fight scene even like is great yeah. where he's talking. About, and that's the part that I really like adapted into the comic um, uh, is 
is like where Borsellino too is talking about when he had to drive a truck to make ends meet and support his mother who was sick and in the hospital and and Jonathan <clears throat> as a traffic cop pulled him over and his license was suspended and and the mother dies and all this stuff and it's a very like moving story and Tanaka like kills it he just is so good like it's very dramatic and he kind of like swings from kind of quiet to loud and 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 it's really yeah that's a really great uh yeah part. yeah that i i also love when he takes his jacket off that just his whole suit just looks so clean the red and black vest underneath mm-hmm. the jacket looks so yeah. good you weren't expecting that um, yeah and like, like the look with with that in the gloves is just badass I love when he's approaching Jonathan and he just kind of like tosses his hat back and one of his cronies <laughs> guy catches, catches it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I wondered how many takes that took. Like, <laughs> Oh um, man. So but, good. Uh, something wild about this is that this is the first movie that I saw with Kunye Tanaka in it where I knew who he was or mm-hmm. knew like Kizaru is based on this character. Um, so like from, from that and like actually watching this, I was like, oh man, this guy's a really like badass Yakuza character actor because he is like legitimately menacing in this movie. Like you're mm-hmm. you're intimidated by him. Uh only to find out he's this like John Turturro style character actor who plays all these like kind of goofy, weasley, like henchman type guys in the other movies that he's in. Yeah, totally. And then like later in life is kind of a very like sweet like uh fatherly figure being kind of a spokesman for commercials and things like that. He's he's a very like sweet guy, which I think lends to his sympathy aspect uh that that is also in this movie. But um yeah, I love that. I love uh also after the race where he decide where he declares that Momojiro beat him even though that it was interrupted by Jonathan and stuff and he he's playing it very cool like that's legitimately cool like yeah <laughs> he does a really I mean, good job of that yeah it's like the the whole situation like got him in the heart when he sees how serious these guys are about being truckers and and Jonathan is a different person now and he just like tosses out that white handkerchief to concede mm-hmm that's so good <laughs> yeah that just part where he kind of like looks into the like middle distance and says it was my loss you win and <laughs> yeah it's it's great uh so v what was your favorite part that you wanted to talk about my favorite part is actually the uh when momojiro and kimie are practicing in front of the kids the way he's going to talk to Eiko. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and just like, it's it's so good. And then the culmination of that scene where he like starts to pretend kiss Kimie and then they start making out and it takes forever for Jonathan to realize. And just like everything about that scene and Kimie being like all hot and bothered afterward and kind of like losing herself in the moment when they like <laughs> get separated and for a second go back in to keep kissing is just like it it's hilarious uh like it's super bizarre because it's like right in front of all of their kids i know it's um, so funny but <laughs> it's so funny and goofy and at the same time i'm like 
Jonathan's usually kind of a scumbag and, and like trying to hook up with other women. So she kind of, she deserves to have some fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a, there's a, there's some children's drawings in the background too. And there's a really prominent common writer drawing at one point, which I, oh, I didn't notice that. also zeroed in on, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I love that scene. Yeah. Uh, so funny. Like um, that's what, and Kimie is great. Like that's w- one thing that the fifth movie has against it is that she's not really in it. Like there's a photo of her, but that's basically it. And um, yeah, I, I love, she's a really great fun character and everything. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that you chose that because, okay. So what I've started doing for my favorite part of the film, cause we often have a lot of overlap is I just kind of like write down a few options <laughs> and mm. I wrote down Borsalino 2's monologue, which, uh, Alex covered. And I wrote down another serious scene, which I'll, I'll talk about in a second. And then I was like, oh, I should pr- pick something else. What's something funny that jumped out at me. And I wrote practicing making out with Jonathan's <laughs> wife. So like, yeah, you know, we're totally like on the same, uh, uh, level here, but mm-hmm. yeah, as far as something else that's kind of serious that I really like, I like, um, in that final long haul driving scene, which I would say overall isn't quite as dramatic, um, as, as in the first one, I do really love the part where Momojiro has this aside to the father where he talks about his childhood and he talks about like how his mother died when he was young and, and uh, his father was a sailor and all this stuff. And we, we get a little bit of a glimpse into uh, his childhood, which I thought was nice and kind of something I'd totally forgotten about, um, but builds his character uh, in a good way, I think. Yeah. And like I said, that's that's really the, the core for me, why I I felt the whole like him racing to take the dad at the end of the movie was less because of any connection to him, but more that like he sympathized so strongly with his family yeah. and wants to try to ensure that those kids have a better upbringing than he did. Totally. Yeah. Well, the scene where the kids meet the kids, uh, Jonathan's <laughs> kids meet like those kids is also a very sweet, like it's a really sweet and moving part too. And, and you get to see them sort of hang out and I love when they're waving to them at the end. Like that's such mm-hmm. a, like by the time they leave, you get to know these kids. And when you see them again, you're like, Oh good. We get to see them like it's not yeah, it just a woman done. Yeah. And that part, the the sister gets to have a kind of nice moment where she kind of lays out the situation that they're in and, and talks about. And she has a kind of dramatic uh, monologue of some sort. And she's she's really good uh, in that that little bit, too. Um, it's kind of like melodramatic, but uh, in a very satisfying way. <laughs> um so Shall We Dance, uh, an American remake. Um, I don't recall if we've ever done a Shall We Dance segment for uh, Truck Yarrow. We, we might have done it for uh, five, but we certainly didn't do it for the first one because that was too early on in the show. But, you know, of course, 70s films like Smokey and the Bandit come to mind. Uh, although I like to point out that uh, Truck Yarrow one came out two years before Smokey and the Bandit. Um, cause that's, that's usually the touchstone people like to throw out when I talk about truck arrow, but, um, yeah. Did you guys, uh, think about, uh, shall we dance at all in watching this? Alex, you can go first. Yeah. So I, it's really hard to think of a, like a one-to-one remake with this just because of how disjointed it is. Yeah. Uh, and, and. And I say that because 
American films generally like they when they follow like a structure, it's generally pretty cut and dry. Mm-hmm. And Japanese films, I think, are allowed to get away with a little bit of a breaking of the mold in terms of like a three act structure. Mm-hmm. And I thought about this the other day, and I and and I think it's why we as anime fans find movies like Truck Yaro and um and even Torasan to uh you know to a degree like so appealing it's because they're episodic and yeah. they even even if they don't follow that you know that act 1 act 2 act 3 that like you know that uh, build up and then the denouement like they do follow a formula mm-hmm. and they have other elements within them that make it appealing and I feel like something like that wouldn't like necessarily translate super well structure wise uh, to like yeah. an American film. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, totally. So I think like something like Smoking the Bandit, yeah, like if you're going to make a, a series of, of movies about, you know, hard boiled truckers, I think that that's, you know, pretty, that's a pretty cut and dry comparison, I'd say to, the Smokey and the Bandit, but when when you have an, a movie like this where it has these a bunch of elements that don't necessarily fit together, I, it, I'm not sure how well that would work. As uh, you know, if we're doing like a one to one remake or even like a reimagining, mm-hmm. you'd have like one of these elements would be taken out and put in a different movie. Yeah, I think. Um, but I uh, that said. Uh, the I, I can't say that I'd ever thought of an American actor who could I would I would compare to um Kunia Tanaka and you nailed it with John Turturro. Like <laughs> that is such an apt comparison that I could like as you're talking about it, I could see it in my head. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Um yeah, I thought some about this. The uh, I agree that I think they would probably cut some of the subplots. I think, especially like seventies and eighties American comedies that were a little more slapstick, you could have that kind of like the, the a large part of the movie could just be like smaller vignettes, but they wouldn't be connected to any of the. they wouldn't be like these small running subplots. Like you could have a scene where like they did something and all of a sudden a septic truck is spraying everybody, (laughs) but it wouldn't be like a character we're coming back to later. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I think the like core idea of like a, like kind of comedic brash truckers, I think would definitely work. Uh, even though like the era of your Smokies bandit and your uh, convoys is long past. <laughs> um, but think about contemporary American actors. I, there's only one person I could think of that was like in my head as somebody who's normally like very serious and badass, like Bunsugawara is like being put in this like comedic role where sometimes he's badass and sometimes he's really goofy. And I just really, really wish that we could get some version of a Toho Yara movie with uh, Jason Statham. <laughs> oh boy, I was trying to predict who you're going to say, and I was like, The Rock. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say John Goodman. Way too, too, too 
John Goodman. <laughs> and, 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 and part of the reason I, th- I was thought John Goodman was because I think just in the back of my head, I kept thinking of that because um, there's this episode of The Simpsons where he plays a trucker who dies because uh, he eats a steak the size of a boogie board and Homer has to take his uh, his load. Yeah, right. Uh, that that is that the episode that appeared on uh, Weeb Simpsons uh, as a trucker reference? Yeah, yes, that's the okay. one. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Joe's is just the the closest I could think of like who is the most like stone faced badass person that I would like to see try to do like a goofy comedy swerve. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah, that's that's interesting what you bring up, Alex, about the sort of like appeal of the formula. Um because I feel like that's a debate that I've been seeing more and more frequently as is uh the fact that people use the term quote unquote monster of the week as a sort of derisive thing. And then some people are like, Hey, a different monster every week. That's awesome. Like, um, and I've personally been watching through the old original common writer and it's just very much like, okay, here's basically the same thing. There's a different MacGuffin that the monster that the evil organizations made a new monster and it wants to get, but like, it's it's a similar thing to Torasan and Trakiara when those familiar parts pop up and you're like, oh yeah, Common Rider is gonna henshin and beat up the bad guy. Like it gets very <laughs> exciting, and uh, I think it's the same thing for Trakiara. Like you're you're kind of like, oh, and this one he's in love with a student. Oh, and this one he's deciding to be uh, obsessed with uh, this novelist and stuff. And those those little differences kind of like tickle that part of your brain that's like, okay, that's that's interesting take on this and then but then when it's time to get to the brawl or the the big like uh drive home or whatever you're like here it comes he's gonna drive that shiny truck and it's gonna be so dramatic (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah yeah. well i think we touched on this a little bit when we were talking about the torasan movie a couple episodes ago and that part of uh part of like one of the little differences in some of these episodic films is like you know, the travel bureau of Japan has probably a hand in it or something mm-hmm. like that. Wherein, um, you know, in this one, he's like all over the place. Like he has to drive back to Nagasaki. Like there's, you know, they're, uh, just like how every Torasan film takes place, uh, in different prefectures. If, if, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, you know, the, the beauty of, of, um, a character who's driving, driving a truck you know, you can go all over the place. Oh yeah. So no, in the different movies. Yeah. I have different places. Yeah. I have, I have some truck yarrow books and they, they map out, they have like different maps of all the different routes for each movie and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, this one's kind of especially back and forth quite a lot because you have like the father and the children that are in two different locations. And one of them is, I think in the same location as that truck stop where, um, um, you know, where the Madonna lives and all that stuff. And so you really have the characters bouncing back and forth quite a lot, uh, in this one. The, uh, it's, it's interesting thinking about the kind of serialized nature of a lot of the big series, uh, in Japan that we know because America, like Western culture also clearly loves serialized things. And we used to have a lot of, uh, series earlier on that were just like, this is just the same movie released like 30 times. Mm-hmm. And we're still sequel crazy now, but there seems to be an obsession where like 
we want the same characters, but there's always got to be an elevation of the stakes. Yeah, right. Even in like yeah. monster of the week type shows. So like, whereas the a lot of these Japanese series are about just like getting into the groove and just like going through these motions over and over again the the kind of serialized media over here is always like everything's got to be bigger and more bombastic and and not necessarily different but like different in scale right uh, i mean which, i think there's something to be said for the fact that like in the 60s and 70s and 80s even like it was harder to rewatch things and so mm-hmm. you it would be satisfying to see the same thing over and over again because you would have a chance to watch the first one again so you might as well yeah. watch the third one, which is the same thing that you liked from the first one. Whereas like here now in our time, <laughs> we can watch the first Avengers over and over again if we wanted to. And so with the like sixth Avengers movie, you don't want it to be the same thing. Um, so, you know. Yeah, that's that's true. I, that's something I didn't even think about. Like the fact that there are so many Torasan movies and so many Truck Yara movies and, you know, it it sort of, yeah, it, it makes sense because what home video didn't really exist until the eighties. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although it, it, it is funny in the, through the lens of like, in addition to everything's a sequel these days that we have a lot of remakes. Mm-hmm. So even if it's not, we want to be told this story over and over again in slightly different ways. It's just, we want to see this exact same story again. <laughs> That's true. Um, but, I want uh, the Ninja not, Turtles, but my, not my not your granddaddy's Ninja Turtles. Uh, not not to compare the, the Japanese culture directly or like completely to the Cardassians in Star Trek, but I'm I'm thinking of, uh, and I think this may be our first Star Trek reference on the show. But there's an episode of Deep Space Nine where uh, they talk about a Cardassian novel where this same thing keeps happening over and over again, generation after generation. Uh, and, uh, Garrick is talking to Bashir about this and he says the, uh, the repetitive recursive novel is like the peak of Cardassian storytelling. <laughs> it makes me think of things like, like this in Torasan, where it's just like, yeah, you hit that groove and it just feels good to just play it out over and over again. Yeah, it does. <laughs> what can I say? I love it. Um, so Takashi Shimura award, um, are we going to give it to anyone other than Kunia Tanaka? (laughs) Uh, I was actually thinking that like while we were, while I was watching the movie, I'm like, I can't not give it to him. Like, and I, and I'm actually very curious as to what you guys are going to say, because I, I mean, it sounded like V maybe had somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. As, as great as I think he is in this, I actually, the the person that stood out most to me was actually Kimie, um, which mm, okay, yeah, don't have her actress name. Masumi for me. Harukawa. Uh, Masumi Harukawa. Um, yeah, because, she's really great. Yeah, they've got they they actually give this entire like subplot to Jonathan and Kimie, who never like got fancy married, uh, taking them on this little like marriage celebration. And like uh, Momo and the kids take them out to a fancy restaurant as like a wedding reception. They get to go on a little honeymoon. And she actually is has a lot to do in this movie, both in those scenes. And she's kind of uh, I, I like that she's kind of in on the whole issue with 
Chiaki, where she's mm-hmm. worried, just like Jonathan. They're both sitting there trying to convince her to not want to marry <laughs> Momojiro. And yeah. she's really great in those scenes, like her being worried and being like, oh, what are we going to do? She's great. Um, she's really great at like <clears throat> she really projects this like familiarity with both um, Jonathan and uh, Momojiro, where she's like really feels very familial with both of them. Uh, which makes the the three of them really seem like a unit um, in a way that's really satisfying for sure. And she's to me, she's like maybe the actress I've seen in live action that most closely feels like the kind of studio Ghibli mom character. Mm, That's interesting. Just like that, that like she's a little sassy and smart and not fussy Mm -hmm. and just like really warm yeah for uh, sure and and yeah she just gives those vibes and it's, i really want like watching her yeah i think that that yeah that's a good choice for sure yeah i agree i i i do think that out of the three like lead like females in this movie like she's definitely the one that stood out to me um well she i think that she might get the most screen time maybe Iko, but uh, or Aiko, but like I didn't really feel I got a whole lot from Aiko. Yeah, uh, I mean, a lot of times in these, the Madonnas are just kind of like, you know, beautiful ladies that they put on screen to 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 facilitate <laughs> Momojiro being funny. You know, <laughs> I, I did, I did. Um, I, I forgot to mention that, like, when she's walking with um her brother, uh, her, but then you find out it's her brother-in-law yeah, for a second. Yeah. There, I was like, "Oh my god, this movie is is this gonna go like incesty?" <laughs> and, and then and then it's revealed that it's her brother-in-law, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, Jesus!" Like that was like I, for like a hot second there, I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, I feel like it, that's the most interesting that that storyline gets because once once you kind of realize that it's her brother-in-law and it's like, well, they both love each other. They just feel kind of weird about the situation that they're in. Like the drama kind of drops out of it a little bit. It's like, well, okay, well they, they should be together, I guess. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I do want to also give, uh, Tanaka some credit though. Like for sure. Like I, I think the most impressive thing is what we've sort of mentioned already that he, really plays against type in this uh that he 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 plays this kind of cool guy uh leader type that he doesn't get to play in a lot of uh, his other movies and he pulls it off you know which is uh, interesting that they cast him in this yeah it makes me kind of sad that i haven't seen other stuff where he actually gets to play like the the evil competent bad guy instead of the kind of squirrely weasley kind mm-hmm. uh, because he's obviously got the range to do it but, yeah, yeah, he's always like the goofy side character. I, I honestly think it's really comes down to like just physical appearance. Like he has a really kind of weird scrunched up face and stuff that I yeah. love. Uh, but it it just puts him in a sort of different cast of actors than Bunta Segura or something. Um, yeah. So uh, any other uh, things that we wanted to touch on uh, before we close out? I think that was it. All right. Cool. Uh, Well, so this, uh, we didn't talk about this at the front of the show, but this is actually episode 49 of our podcast, which means that next episode is Big Bad episode 50. So what are we going to be talking about in our 50th episode, Alex? 
Well, Joey, I'm pleased to say that we are finally going to be covering uh, the Akira Kurosawa classic, uh, Seven Samurai. Uh, and I, like, we talked about this, like, we, I think we talked about this, like, at this point years ago, like, this is going to be the 50th episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is going to be a special one. It's a long movie. It's like the, it's w- arguably the most famous Japanese film uh, outside of like Godzilla, Godzilla. Over <laughs> on, in the yeah, States for sure. Like, so I, I, I feel like it deserves a special, a special number, a special place. Um, and, uh, and it's a really great movie. Um, it, it can be found pretty much anywhere, honestly. Like, <laughs> I, I think, um, you can stream it off Amazon. It's on the criterion channel, obviously. Uh, by the time this episode drops, HBO max, uh, will be out. And I believe, um, a good chunk of Criterion movies are mm. going to be on there, including this one. So no, that's interesting. I didn't know about that. Yeah. So, uh, keep an, keep an eye out for that. Um, yeah, I'm glad we kind of saved this one up. We, we had had this discussion a while back about how kind of like we hit a lot of like big name classics in our first like year or two of the podcast. And, and we feel a little weird about that because we were kind of, still finding our feet about what we wanted the show to be. And so it's kind of like, Oh yeah, your favorite movie. We talked about it, but you know, we were still figuring out what the show was at that time. Uh, but, uh, this is one that we definitely wanted to save till kind of a big monumental moment. And I feel good about the fact that we're going to be covering it now. Cause I feel like we have a much more kind of solid footing on how to do this show. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. Um, it's been a couple of years since I watched it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'll probably mm-hmm. talk about this, uh, next time, but my big like confession is that I've never watched it all the way through. I've watched it a couple times and every time I've like taken a break, uh, in the it's middle a lot of, of it, movie. it is a lot of movie yeah. used to be two big, uh, VHS bricks, but, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make myself sit through it all the way through, <laughs> give myself some snacks and get, you know, settle in. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it cause I haven't seen it in a while and every once in a while folks will make references to it. And if I don't immediately remember which character they're referring to or whatever, I always feel a little like <laughs> sheepish about it. Um, yeah. Uh, recently on the one piece podcast, we did a, a trivia episode. It was nothing but trivia since it was an off week and, um, David Bednar, uh, graciously put together some trivia for us. And one of them was, uh, is this character, or, okay, I'm going to, you know, is this a, uh, a, a member of the um, uh, Oniwa Banshu in One Piece, or is this a, uh, or is it a, um, a JR uh, rail station, or is it uh, a character from Seven Samurai? <laughs> uh, like one of those three things. And uh, by it, like, I ended up getting all of my questions correct. Yeah, I was um, but, impressed. Uh, it was, it, not, but it wasn't because I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Just going by your gut. Yeah. Going by my gut. Well, yeah. After this, uh, we'll be experts. So I'm looking forward to it. Yep. So Alex, where can people find you online? Well, um, as I mentioned, you can find me on the one piece podcast every week. Uh, in addition to that, if you're on Twitter, um, come follow me at dude exclamation, all one word. Um, also weeb Simpsons, uh, the aforementioned weeb Simpsons, uh, another Twitter account I do. And uh, Super Art Fight. I am um, very, uh, very active with Super Art Fight right now. Um, given that we live in a digital world now, 
during this during this crisis. So um, every Saturday, come check out twitch.tv slash superartfight. By the time this episode drops, um, uh, there will have been a championship match where I may or may not have won. Um, uh, but that the money towards that uh, had uh, gone to benefit a local um, local bar slash music venue in Baltimore. So um, I imagine that we're going to be doing some stuff like that again in the future. So keep an eye out for that, um, and also follow us um, at Super Fight on Twitter. Cool. How about you, V? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Vriskachat. V R I S K A C H A T. Um, Watch Deep Space Nine and read Chainsaw Man. <laughs> nice. That's yeah. all I got. That's good good endorsements. <clears throat> um, and I'm at Joey Weiser on Twitter and Joey Weiser Comics on Instagram. Uh, on Instagram recently, I posted some videos of me drawing some of my characters, Merman and Truff from Ghost Hog. So if you want to see uh, some drawing videos, you can check those out. And uh, check out those graphic novels, please. The Merman uh, series. There's five books in all, and, and Ghost Hog. It's just a single graphic novel. Um, and uh, follow my new comic, uh, Dino Town, uh, at Dino Town Comic on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, as for the podcast, we're at Toho Yaro on Twitter, where uh, we tweet about Japanese movie news. I've uh, been tweeting a lot lately about uh, places where you can stream movies. Uh, a lot of like Japanese movie festival or Asian movie festivals uh, that include Japanese selections and and things like that have been streaming uh, Japanese film as well as there's a really cool uh, the British Film Institute BFI like came out with a really cool list about the quote-unquote best uh, Japanese film of every year since film was a thing and uh, that was really interesting uh, to go through and we tweeted about that and the how we covered six or seven movies on that list uh, uh, on the podcast which is cool um, so yeah follow us there uh, you can like us on Facebook or email us tohoyaro at gmail.com with uh, requests for movies to cover or questions that you'd like addressed on the show and please rate review and uh and subscribe uh to us and check us out next episode for episode 57 samurai
ものの弾みで生まれつきものの弾みで生きてきたそんなセリフの裏にある心のからくり落とし穴一番星出る頃は俺の心に波が立つ」